Chapter 68 Chess Pieces Evolve Your Highness, Una said, pain apparent in her voice, even if she was able to mask and control the emotions that she displayed. Her features remained stoic. Her determination to not bend or make this meeting easy, part of her countenance. Lord Blenet has asked that I escort you to Market House. It is where he has located the colony's governing bodies. Thank you, Una, I said, pretending to ignore her pain, my indifference finally affecting her. Her face crumpling, her shoulders sagging as she revealed how close she was to tears. I knew it was cowardly not to even acknowledge her desperation, but I was afraid my anger, barely controlled as it was, would burst out and destroy innocent bystanders. I would have this conversation with Blaine and Una together, and pray to Danu for control. We followed her quietly. She made no mention of the knockers or Danu's children. I wasn't sure she even realized that they were there or following us. There was no greeting for them, no welcome. It bordered on rudeness, but Duchess Wayne recognized the pain. A loss that was bone deep, the pain only a mother feels when she loses her child. She was experiencing the same emotions, only discovering with the last day that her own daughter had died. And because she could empathize, she forgave the slight intentional or not. The herd has been busy building, I said, after Una led us through the warehouse office and into the grassy knoll that used to only house the elders' hall. There really had been a monumental growth in the small community. Houses, businesses, and an official herd lord resident. Kelpie usually built this type of infrastructure and town assets within the safety and depths of water. This was more something Seely would construct. New construction first upon us as part of the recompense the herd owes Duke Adouin and their majesties, the land seized, and the buildings built with kelpie funds. The silly court requires these as a bare minimum, as part of the repayment of teeths, fines, and monies that could have been generated from the dungeon, along with taxes that were in arrears, and penalties for harboring enemies of the silly, Una sneered. They were kind enough to build a hero resident so Lord Blenet could greet and meet those silly that would help govern our community. They deemed it necessary and appropriate that those silly that would have dealings with the herd have a more conducive and appropriate setting, she finished, her anger slipping past the tightly controlled simulacrum she had been projecting. The Sealy have taken effective control of the herd? I ventured to guess. Of course not, your highness, Una answered, derision and condescension coloring her words. They only offer suggestions. They have been benevolent in their care. Their only desire to help our people make sure the correct amount of taxes is collected and to make sure no graft occurs based on what the mine records are reporting is being produced.
Their assistance has been invaluable. So not only had the Sealy punished the herd with increased taxes and fines, they were cooking the books to adjust the mine's production. I thought as I attempted to decipher the hidden meaning behind her words. The Sealy mine manager was probably reporting two different reports. One showing more ore and selenium being harvested so that the herd was forced to bear the cost of even higher taxes. Taxes they were unable to offset or mitigate by finding buyers for the resources. The other report contained the actual production the mine was generating and was shared with the Sealy overseers. I hope you haven't had any problems finding buyers, I asked, certain that the answer was going to be damning, as the rest of this conversation had been. Aware that buyers had probably been pressured or extorted into refusing to do business with the herd or offering suboptimal prices. Finding buyers? Why would we be concerned with something as tedious as that? The Sealy have been gracious enough to purchase all of our stock in bulk. They only ask for a 20% discount because they were so generous as to save the expense of auctioning our shares or seeking interested parties. We, of course, agreed. It saves so much time and bother not needing to find customers, she explained. Not only had they taken their son hostage and tortured him, but they had also effectively begun an occupation of the colony. It wouldn't surprise me to find that the Sealy, who was assigned here, was a rank lord, someone very close to leveling up to rank earl. I was afraid to even imagine how they might be controlling the real Kelpie village that was hidden beneath the lake's water. Even with all the new buildings and the ongoing construction, the village was bereft of people. There was the occasional person running distractedly to accomplish some task or chore, but the life blood that made up a village was missing. The gathering of people, conversations, haggling for goods and good-natured camaraderie was clearly absent. The energy of the village was oppressive, the very ground steeped in a miasma of betrayal, the dynamics of a proud people filled with neglect and discontent. Even the air had the smell and lingering taste of pain and loss. And the children? The joyful exuberance and daring curiosity and bravery were missing. No screams of delight and laughter as they played. No swarming gathering of urchins, dogging our footsteps, begging for a treat or word of acknowledgement. This lack of life said more about what had happened to the herd than anything else would have. The Kelpie were afraid. They had withdrawn to the protection of the waters and were bunkering down, worried that when things came to a head, Whenever the match was struck that ignited the tinder that would flame the animosity that existed between the Sealy and Herd. The building Una led me to was so ostentatious as to be insulting to Blaine and the Kelpie. They were creatures of nature, attuned to the earth and water. This vulgarity, this monstrosity, was a direct challenge to the simple yet satisfying life they chose to lead a testament to neoclassical architecture. The grandeur of scale, 
marble columns that were pervasive and dramatic, and wide walls that were capped by filigree carvings. What was most insulting was the obvious homage that was being paid to the Olympians. This style of architecture would have been considered an understated country house for any of that pantheon. Here it was, a slap in the face and a reminder that this herd had had dealings with the Olympians, that their honor was suspect. The building was a reminder to tread carefully, for they had been singled out and marked as unworthy. Duchess Wayne allowed the disgust that I was feeling to cross her face before quickly masking her emotions. I doubt anyone other than I had noticed. But it did remind me that I had a small clan of knockers in tow. Una, I said, gaining her attention. Is there somewhere Duchess Wayne's people might rest while I'm in meetings with Lord Blaney? I included the Duchess, Aspen, and Pine in our group. The first because she was my highest-ranked retainer. The others because their presence as the firstborn children of Danu in recorded history may get Blaine's attention. Their presence may be needed to prove to him that change was coming and that I hoped he would be part of that change. But the entire knocker contingent wasn't necessary and may become a liability if violence broke out. I didn't think Blaine would attack me, and if he did, I planned to restrain instead of wound. But all signs suggested that the Seelie were really in charge here. So I thought it logical that he would not be alone. Stopping abruptly, looking at those gathered as if just realizing we weren't alone, Una allowed the vexation she felt at forgetting this small detail to finally bring some emotion to her face. She changed course to lead us to an enclosed courtyard contained within the building that had been established as the Elder's Hall. After instructing staff to make refreshments available, Duchess Wayne felt secure enough in the moment, satisfied that her people would be safe to accompany me. The government building had an imposing sign placed proudly near the entrance. The Seelie had gone so far as to create a named building, and had ignored herd sensibilities, to name it Market House. Once we finally entered Market House, signs of life became more prolific. Shouting voices could be heard from behind closed doors. Servants were scurrying around, attempting to accomplish their duties or ferrying food and beverages to meeting rooms. The receptionist that was stationed to greet those that entered smiled perfunctorily at Una before moving to try to stop us from continuing into the building. Lord Craig will meet with Lord Blaney within the hour. He has asked that we clear the Lord's schedule and refuse all visitors or official business until after their meeting is concluded, Una was informed. Lord Craig may have given that order, but he forgets that this is Lord Blaney's holding, and I and the people here including you, or our duty to the Herald Lord, not Lord Craig, Una replied, ignoring the young woman's attempt to impede our progress and barreling past. I'll be sure to inform his lordship of your words, the young woman warned. You do that, Sadie, Una said, and remind him that Prince Trump's lord 
no matter what game you are playing. Prince, I drawled, supporting Una. The game has evolved. King trumps all.